with a chance to win the World Cup for Argentina. And up he comes right foot in and scores! And off comes the shirt! And up go the fans! And Argentina have won the World Cup again! Chills, Dave. It honestly gave me chills. And, like, I'm not even the biggest soccer guy, but just international sports, I, I just, I, I love them. And I really get into them. And last night, Argentina, Lionel Messi finally wins himself a World Cup um, with a was a 4-3 win. They end up winning it in penalty kicks over France. It was an outstanding game. Outstanding oh, game. I mean, um, it was, like, outstanding might not do it justice. Like, it, it, like... I've been watching sports my whole life, and I can't think of a game, like one game that has been that compelling, like, like that interesting. That like that it was so riveting that I had people in my house who don't even like sports. In fact, kind of hate sports, yeah. and these people could not take their eyes off this game. I mean, I've never seen anything quite like it. I really haven't, and and well, I, I, maybe I'm forgetting something. But I, you you named the game that was better than that one. Honestly, I it's it's tough. Like on the top of my head, I can't. And I don't know. Maybe it's recency bias, but like the the emotional roller coaster that Argentinian fans must have been on yesterday was like nothing I think we've ever seen before. Maybe I mean it was absolutely insane. So I, I was watching it. I was at the Miami airport, and unfortunately, I missed the first half of the game. We were in our cab ride from the port to the airport and then going through security. So I missed mm-hmm. the first half, but luckily the guy in the cab had the game on. He was listening to it in, in, in Spanish, however, but which sometimes <laughs> even even better calls, to be honest with you. So, you know, I was listening to it, I suppose, in a way. I didn't understand it, but I was on. Right. And then I get through and there was about I don't know, it was right after actually Mbappe had tied it before I, I was able to get eyes on the actual game. So I was thinking, okay, it's 2-0, you know, midway through the second half or whatever, and then I kind of show up to the bar once I get through security, and all of a sudden it's 2-2. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm just watching in behind with a group of people, so many people just sitting there watching all the TVs, all eyes on the TV, and then it ends up going into into, um, extra time. And I said to myself, I'm not going to sit back here, you know, like a scrub. I'm going to go sit up at the bar, grab a beer, so I actually sit and watch the game. And I was sitting next to this lady who I posted a, a video of it on, on Twitter when they finally won. Um, but this Argentinian lady who I talk about riding the emotions, like mm-hmm. this lady was on the edge of her seat the entire time through overtime. When Messi scored that goal, when it originally wasn't called a goal, and then it did end up going, becoming a, like she was just celebrating to no end. And then when France came and they ended up tying the game late with Mbappe's penalty kick, she was just like in tears almost, in disbelief, and then watching her for every single penalty kick. And then it finally wins. She's standing up cheering, so happy, tears kind of streaming down her face. Like I felt so happy for her and you know obviously for Messi who finally kind of got it done and you know it's what's upsetting about it Dave and I guess to bring it back to hockey in a way is we've been robbed of that type of best on best hockey for so many years like that was us in in 2014 and in 2010 uh, at the Vancouver Olympics like that was me sitting up at the bar watching that game 
and watching them win a gold medal and being, you know, going down to Niagara Falls, going down to Clifton Hill where it was just a sea of red. Everybody's out there honking their horns, flags waving, just the pride of best on best and international play. And we've been deprived of that in hockey. Yeah. Like, we got the World Juniors, and we'll catch up with Mark Masters in a moment. We've got the World Juniors, which, you know, it's kind of like a, a little baby in, in terms of what the Olympics is. And right. I think it's, I always get really, um, I don't know if it's upsets the right word, but, you know, upset in a way when we just watch the World Cup go down. It's like, oh, we haven't had this in hockey in forever. Right. Yeah, we're watch- like, we're watching the primes of this in- incredible generation of players who played in that 2016 World Cup, but that's going to be seven years ago this summer, right, that that McDavid and Matthews were on that crazy team, North America. But we haven't seen McDavid and Matthews playing for their own countries in a, in a best-on-best tournament. And it, 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 you're right. It's just it's not right. It's, it's unjust. It's terrible for the sport, and it's terrible to the fans of the sport. And I understand the business behind it. I understand why they didn't want to go to Korea in 2018 and, and why they've pushed back the World Cup from 2024 to 2025 now in lieu of the situation with Russia. All those things are understandable, but doesn't make them right. Doesn't make them, doesn't make it good for the sport. And I think a good of the game, you know, overseer wouldn't let this happen. Yeah, and that's what I think is, you know, so upsetting. You had the Board of Governors meeting last week, and you've got a whole bevy of topics, but... You know, with the World Cup being smack dab in the middle of that and, and seeing, you know, what would have been the semifinal and then the final coming up, you know, it really just puts it into perspective that this is what, you know, hockey's missing. And nothing grows the game better than international play. Like you said, mm-hmm. you had people at this event at your house. You, you hosted a, a party at your house, and you had friends come watch who aren't even big soccer fans. But because it's international play, it just sucks you in. It draws you in. Well, that's exactly what a gold medal final will do. Canada, U.S., gold medal. Like, that That sucks people in, even if they're – the reason why I became a hockey fan and one of my vivid hockey memories – I've shared this on the show a few times – is the 2002 gold medal game. I strictly remember sitting down watching it. I wasn't really a big hockey guy. I was like six or seven years old at the time. And I was watching that game. Why? Because my father, who's not really a big sports guy at all, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but it's the gold medal hockey game, and Canada was in it. So he put it on, put it on to watch the game. Right. And that hooked me, and I became a hockey fan through that. And look what I've become, right? I've turned into yeah. a hockey junkie and hockey nut. I also a hockey show. So just goes to show that it, it helps grow the game. So hockey is doing a disservice not only to the fans, but to themselves by not making it a yeah. priority to get this best on best. but It's a shame. It really is. At least we got the World Juniors. At least That's we got right. the World Juniors. That's right. The best on best for the under-20 category in the world. Not the kids, not the guys in the prime, but the under-20s, which still is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 241pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penny combo, and more. Visit 241pizza.com. And with that, let's bring in the guy who's covering our best on best under 20s, the TSM World Juniors reporter, Mark Masters. How's it going, Mark? How's uh, How are things treating you out in Moncton? Yeah, it's great. I'm excited to see a game. You know, it feels like we've been here for a while, and now we finally tonight get to see uh, – what this collection of talent could do is always some anticipation, especially for that first game for the group. I, I got to get the record straight. First of all, uh, Julia's not on the show today. She's going to be joining you guys out uh, in the world juniors. So I guess it's not a bubble this year, but 
out in that part of the that part of the country. So she's not here to ask this question, but we did peruse and she sent me a little snap of of what was in your notes. You send glorious notes every single day about <laughs> what's going on, and you had a little nugget about Ethan Del Mastro. You asked him, you know, who did you look up to, and he name dropped Liam Ham. Happens to be Julia Tashery's boyfriend. She wants to know how much Liam paid you to write the, write that in, in your notes yesterday. No, I just wanted to tell the story as complete as possible. And Ethan Del Mastro said, Liam Ham, all around good guy, great personality, wonderful boyfriend. If he's uh, to whoever his girlfriend is, and maybe not that last part, but yeah, he was saying Liam Ham <laughs> was his, uh, you know, was the captain in Mississauga when he when he started, and he was the guy yeah. who took him under his wing. And now Ethan Del Mastro is wearing a letter for Canada at the World Juniors. So um, it really he made an impact on on him. So yeah, Liam deserves the love for for that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, good good uh, good feedback. <laughs> Before we get to before we continue on with the hockey masters, I just want to let you know, man. Like you mm-hmm. are the you know the, you're the head of Masters Nation. You are yeah. the proverbial first class reporter from TSN. You're known for your ability to get upgrades. The man you were speaking with just moments ago, Al's brother, you should know this, and you will be proud of this, Mark. He mm-hmm. came back from the cruise in which he was in some sort of first class yacht club cabin. He came back from the cruise, upgraded into the pods on the flight home. Oh, yes. How about that? That's important. I was talking about this with some folks, some locals around here uh, last night, about how it's all about picking the right upgrade. You don't necessarily want to upgrade on just a random normal flight. You want to really make sure the pods are the key. If you, you're on a pod flight, you got to do everything in your power to get that upgrade, okay? You want to save your credits if you can. And you want to get an upgrade on that flight. So that's a veteran move, and I'm really happy to, to hear that. I feel even better about this interview. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. <laughs> it's, it really was a fantastic, fantastic first-class experience. Uh, we're chatting with Mark Masters, or TSN, World Juniors reporter. Uh, juniors kicking off exactly a week from today, and Canada getting their first start uh, pre-tournament game tonight against Switzerland. That'll be on TSN4. You mentioned Ethan Del Mastro uh, getting an, an alternate captain on his letter. Shane Wright named the captain yesterday of this team. What was his reaction to being named captain, and how hungry does he sound to you to be able to be the guy again after kind of a tough fall with the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, you know, he he was honored. Uh, I don't think it was a big surprise. He's worn the C uh, pretty much every step of the way with Hockey Canada. Under-17, he was the captain of the under-18 team that won gold at the 2021 World Championship there at that age group level. And uh, so I think, you know, I, I, it, it certainly is a jolt of energy to get that, you know, distinction. They announced it at the end of practice. I thought it was funny. His teammates were going, speech, speech. So he actually did give a speech, uh, which he said, you know, that's not really, he's not a speech guy, but he still gave a speech and, uh, you know, basically said he thinks this is a special group. But, yeah, I, I think that, right, uh, you never know, right? You know, it's, it can be tough to come back from the uh, NHL to the junior level, but it sounds like Ron Francis really laid out a plan to, to write before he went even down to the AHL for that conditioning stint. So this is what we're thinking. So nothing has been a, you know, a surprise to him through this. Uh, and I think he's in the right mindset. And this is a great, you know, it, it felt like it wasn't going to happen for him. He got cut from that uh, 2021 World Junior Camp uh, in the, for the bubble team in Edmonton. Then uh, the December tournament gets canceled after two games. And, he, you know, he didn't really make a big impact in those games, yeah. just the uh, – the one assist and then he doesn't go to the summer tournament because Seattle said 
They wanted him focused on the training camp at the NHL. And then, you know, you just don't know. And now here he is. He finally gets his chance uh, to be the guy on the big world junior stage. I think he's, he's hungry for this moment for sure. So Masters, obviously, you know, a lot of us do not pay attention to junior hockey uh, on a regular basis until this very moment. But, you know, one guy who does, Gord Miller, who's watched these kids come up calling some of the, uh, some of the other age group tournaments, uh, Gord Miller is tweeting out in the last few hours that this team, this 2023 national junior team, may be the most explosive Canada has entered in the world juniors. And I should say, the most explosive Canada has ever entered in the World Juniors was actually the direct quote from his tweet. He's putting it up there with 2005, which, of course, had Sidney Crosby, Patrice Bergeron, Ooh. Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry, and 2008, which, of course, had Stamkos, Tavares, Claude Giroux. Where are you on this? Have you seen these kids enough to make such a grand pronouncement, Mark Masters? Well, uh, Gord would know, right? I mean, he's Mr. World Juniors. He's been there for many more than I've even been. Ad, and I've been privileged to, to be at the last 11. Uh, but listen, you look at the, on paper, this is, this is, a, uh, this is an incredible team. Like it might be, I was talking, uh, to Brant Clark, one of the three NHLers on this team. Uh, and he said the buzz is this could be one of the best groups Canada's had uh, in a while. So he says that's what I'm hearing. So that's the buzz. That's what they're, the players are hearing. Uh, you never know how all the pieces are going to fit. Uh, goaltending is always a question mark, but that's the case for you – know, not always, but it is this year, and it really is for a lot of countries. Almost all the countries have question marks in that at this World Juniors, uh, and then you just never know how, what, you know, how everything's going to fit and how the coaching's going to go. But if you just look at the roster, the three NHLers, first time that's happened since 2000, uh, eight returnees. I mean, they're cutting returning players at training camp, so at selection camp, which is rare, really rare. Usually if you've got experience, you're on the team the next year. Uh, it's one of the oldest teams. I think only second to that 2005 group. Uh, everything adds up. Like it's the, I think it's the tallest team. Hockey Canada is telling me. Like the defense is a monster group. Uh, no one shorter than six two, except for Olin Zellweger, who might be the best guy on the back end. You know, yeah. defense scoring leader at the summer event. So everything looks like this is going to be an incredibly special team. You got the projected first two picks in the next NHL draft. So you've got the the older guys, but also like these phenoms. Uh, in the draft, and Connor Bedard, who's already had great World Junior success, and Adam Fantilli, who's off to such a good start down at Michigan. So everything looks like this is a really special team. Well, Connor Bedard is is the guy who I'm kind of circling because last year, obviously, we saw he did in the summer, but even in the winter, it, it was he was the Connor Bedard show early, and it really seemed like he was going to go out and set and break some records. Um, I mean, is is the hype real? Does it look like Connor Bedard now another, I guess, few months older than he was in the summer? Is he gonna? Is it time for him to kind of turn, crank it up a notch, and maybe be like the star attraction here at these at this tournament? Yeah, I, I mean, I would certainly think so. Uh, I was talking to Brendan Othman, uh, his line mate here and his line mate in the summer. The Rangers prospect just got traded to Peterborough in the OHL. And I said, how's he look in comparison to the summer? And he said, I think he's even more confident. I think he's never been more confident with the puck on his stick. And often said that's, that's such, a, such a key for anyone. He said he learned that lesson at uh, Rangers training camp. I said, who do you learn it from? He said, Artemi Panarin. Uh, I guess Panarin made an amazing pass during the uh, preseason game. Offman was on the bench, turned to him and said, how do you do that? And Panarin said, confidence. And that was it. Yes. <laughs> Confidence is important, and, and Bedard certainly has it. I guess 
when you arrive at uh, World Junior Camp on a 27-game point streak, I guess you're, you're pretty confident. So, uh, yeah, it, it could very much be the Bedard show. He's on the line with Shane Wright and Offman. Uh, that uh, two exceptional status players together uh, seems to be a little bit of everything. Offman's going to be the feisty four-checker. Uh, Wright is a tremendous playmaker. And just the you know amazing 200-foot game is going to – and they put Bedard on the wing, which they think will help him be – you know he was on the wing in the summer. He plays center, of course, with Regina. But they feel like you know the wing opens him up to, to do some damage on breakouts, take a little bit off his plate defensively. Um, so everything, you know, he's already got eight uh, World Junior goals on his resume. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see. I, I don't know what he's going to do in terms of numbers, but this could be a pretty special World Juniors for him. Has he grown at all, by the way, Mark? Like, he's at that age now where kids start to really grow, and I know that he was, quote, undersized, I guess, uh, at the tournament last winter and, and in the summer. Has he grown at all in the last few months here? I don't believe so. I'm just looking at the roster. I think he's still listed as five. Foot ten is that what he's at? Yep, he's listed so, at five ten. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he was at the summer. Uh, there's only three guys on this team that are sub six: uh, Bedard, Logan Stankoven of Kamloops, uh, and Zellweger. So it's a pretty tall group, but Bedard, who might end up being their leading scorer, so the, the little guys are pretty good. So he's feisty, though, guys. Like he's yeah. that's one of the things that stood out in the summer is like he didn't back down. I was talking to his line mate Tanner Howe out in Regina. He's like this guy. He loves to, to, to chirp. He's telling me that he's had a pretty funny chirp about a guy's bad breath that had Tanner Howell laughing. And he, I remember he, you know, he, he, he was getting into it with the Slovaks and this, no one could get under his skin and he was just not uh, backing down. So he might be just five foot 10, 185 pounds on the roster sheet, but he doesn't play that way. I don't think. Yeah, no doubt about it, Mark. Um, so we know the names at the top of the list, right? You know, Bedard, the presumptive number one pick in the coming draft, and and on down the line from the guys in the NHL. But if you you know in your travels, speaking to the people you speak to, and in, in preparing for this tournament, is there a guy that's going to emerge? A name that maybe not everybody in Canada knows right now, Mark, but but certainly will know by the time the gold medals are handed out at this tournament. Oh, good question. I mean, because everyone is, I feel, for, for me, I'm so close to it. It feels like, uh, it feels like uh, everybody is so well known. I will I'll highlight maybe the fourth line is uh, good to be, in, in the words of assistant coach uh, Brent Kissio, uh, a line Canada can be proud of, and that's going to create energy. Uh, such uh, big bodies on that, on that line. It's Caden uh, Banker of the Camelos Blazers between Reed Schaefer of the Seattle Thunderbirds and Zach Ostopchuk of the Vancouver Giants. Uh, and Giants, they're big guys, big guys on the back. And that could be a, a really fan favorite. I'm not sure how much they're going to score, but they're going to throw their weight around. And mm-hmm. assuming they stay on the right side of the law, that's going to be a really tough team. Colton Dock, who's Kirby's younger brother, um, is the 13th forward at least to start this process, and he could always uh, jump in there, the Kelowna Rockets captain. So, I mean, uh, I think that that's, that's a line. And then on the back end, Ethan Del Mastro, who we were talking to off the top, he's going to partner with Zellweger. He's not, uh, he's not going to maybe put up the points, but uh, he, he, can, he can also throw the weight around. He's going to be front and center. Uh, during this tournament. So those are maybe some unsung heroes for, for Canadian fans to look at uh, at this tournament. In conversation with Mark Masters, our TSN World Juniors reporter, how much is experience going to be a, a big factor on this team? Eight players returning this season, the most that Canada's had since 2007. I think it's a big factor, uh, especially since it's like it's so recent. It's like just months ago. You can, yeah. you know, the, a lot of these guys, eight guys just ha- just won the gold medal. 
Uh, 12 of them are back from the under-18 team that won the gold medal at the Worlds. So they have this is a group that's not just experienced but has experience winning, which I think is important. And it's pretty much all 19-year-olds. We've talked, we, I mean, we because of the young guys are so dynamic. you got Bedard, Fantilli, Kevin Korczynski, who is a first-round pick, seventh overall to the Blackhawks, and Shane Wright, those are your... Those are your non-nine. Those are your 18 and 17-year-olds. Well, Bedard's the one 17-year-old, and Shane Wright will celebrate his 19th birthday on January 5th, which is the gold medal game. So, um, yeah, it's an old group, and I think that matters. I mean, development happens pretty fast at this age, and all those guys who who won gold together are a little bit better going into this tournament. They are built-in chemistry, um, and I think it's it's just going to serve Canada really well. So, so, Mark, obviously tonight, the first pre-tournament game, Canada-Switzerland. You're going to have in the net for Canada, Thomas Millich of Seattle in the WHL getting the start. Of course, he will be backed up by Benjamin Goudreau from Sarnia in the OHL. What, you know, goaltending, always a wild card in this tournament. We know it's been, you know, the bane of Canada's existence in some, in some low moments. We know it can be a tournament changing factor when it goes well. What are you hearing about these two net miners? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's a question mark because uh, Benjamin Gaudreau was the guy for them between the pipes, the best goalie at the under-18 level at that tournament. Uh, and Milich was there as the backup, and they both played really well. Uh, but, you know, Gaudreau is the guy, and now he has off to a tough start in Sarnia, and the Sting have had a lot of injuries. Uh, like four of their six defensemen were out for a while, and it's just been a, a bit of a rough go for them. Uh, and Gaudreau's save percentage is like in the 860s. So, I mean, it's been a tough year. Milic gets the start tonight, and it seems, it just feels like he's maybe got his nose out in front in this competition. He's got the better numbers this season, 914 save percentage, but he's been kind of splitting starts in Seattle. He's rounding into form of late and I when I talk there's a lot of Thunderbirds on this team there's four Seattle Thunderbirds on this team uh and when I talk to his teammates they are just raving about the fact that he elevated in the pressure games last year in the playoffs he helped uh, Seattle get to the WHL championship series they lost to the Edmonton Oil Kings but um the guys were saying you know he was so good in the elimination games and then I was crunching the numbers he was a 925 save percentage in the playoffs 949 in the six games when Seattle was facing elimination and they came back wow from 3-1 down against Kamloops and 3-2 down in the next round So against Portland. So, I mean, he, he, he was great when the, when the chips were down. So they, they have faith that he can be a pressure guy. They know Godreau can do it in a gold medal game. So they're counting on that, and they just need one guy to run with it. They'll let this competition play out. They got the this game. Godreau will start Wednesday against Slovakia, and they're just hoping one of the guys will be. And they don't have to steal a game probably with the talent we've talked about. They just need someone who can – can be that kind of steadying guy. So we'll see if Milich can, can take advantage of the first opportunity today and, and Gaudreau will get his chance Wednesday. Any uh, plans to do some Christmas caroling over the next <laughs> couple of weeks? <laughs> uh, no, no, that was so much fun. Come on, come on, yeah. Masters. I loved it, no. honestly. I thought it was awesome. you have any, any fun bits you're going to do with the kids? I mean, you got two weeks, you're going to be out there in Halifax. What do you you got to do something. No, straight edge, uh, the you know, straighter approach this time around. But uh, we're going to have fun uh, because, again, the talent is so good. A lot, you know, and I, a lot of these guys, not just the teammates at the under-18 and, uh, and, and also uh, in the summer, but, uh, you know, guys like uh, Shane Wright and Brendan Offman awesome. and Brant Clark, they were, they, they were teammates in the Don Mills Flyers. Like yeah. uh, in the GTHL, they won a championship together at the OHL Cup, and now they're back together. So a lot of them go way, way back. You know, Schaefer's talking about spring hockey with uh, 
with Hostopchuk and in, in the Alberta area. So, I mean, like, I think there's going to be a lot. I think the chemistry is, 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 we always, you know, they always talk about chemistry. I think it is a legit thing. So I expect there to be a lot of smiles, a lot of people uh, having, having fun. I, I, I liked the fact the first practice or whatever, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Fantilli and, and Bedard, who are, of course, draft rivals, uh, were laughing and saying when they bumped into each other, oh, oh, I guess you're out to get me. And so they were making light of the fact that people are trying to make this a big, you know, Adam and Connor thing. So uh, I just think there's everyone's in the right mindset. There'll be chi- time to have fun, and I'll let it happen organically. I'm not going to force anything with these guys this year. We'll see where it goes, though. All right, buddy. I'm sure you'll pull the best out of them, as you always do. Just a top-class reporter, the leader of Masters Nation. Appreciate it, Mark. I'm sure we'll catch up with you again real soon. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys. All right. There he goes. Mark Masters, TSN, World Jews reporter. Um, yeah, he, he talks about the you know, the the chemistry of a lot of these teams because they are a lot of these guys. They have been playing together for a, a long time. Like yeah. he mentions Othman, Wright, and, and Brant Clark. I mean, those three have literally been playing since they were like 11 years old with the Don Mills Flyers. They played as children growing up. And then I remember, so I I did some play-by-play at the Kennedy Games back mm-hmm. in, was it 2017, I think it was? 2017 or 20, 2018, actually, it was. Um, it was out in, in Alberta. And those three were on Team Ontario. So, like, they're playing again for, you know, some international, well, national play, I suppose, for Team Ontario, and they won a gold medal together there. So not only are they playing together, but they're winning together as a group. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I had a son that played in the in the same loop as those guys. My son actually played on Don Mills for quite a few years when they won the Pee Wee Ontario Championship. So, yeah, we know these kids well if we've been – Watched them since they were kids in the GTHL, and, and there's a lot of them from the GTHL. A lot of Toronto-based kids yeah. on this particular team. Del Mastro is another one that was in that loop for many years. Uh, you know, so it's 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 an interesting group. And I think the most interesting story really is Shane Wright, whose development you can argue has been, you know, I don't know if it's been mishandled. I don't know if it's been waylaid. But yeah. certainly played six minutes a game with the Seattle Kraken hasn't served him particularly well. So I think it'll be great for Shane Wright to get back to dominating somewhere uh, to maybe give him a boost of confidence. Because yeah. I think if if you're a human being and you've been through what he's been through so far, being the presumptive number one pick that goes number four and then going to Seattle and being a fourth liner, your confidence has got to be a little bit shaken maybe, and this is a good place to restore it. Yeah, and I wonder if that little stint he had in the American League gave him a, a, an opportunity to reset because he went down there, he started playing some games, scored in his first game. I think he had like four goals in the five-game stint that he was down there and then gets called up for that one game. Happens yep. to be against the Montreal Canadiens. We all know the stare down that happened at the draft. And what does he do? He scores a goal in yeah. that game. And then it's all right, good for you. Got that game in, got your goal. Sayonara, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy your time in Moncton and be the guy. And I think maybe, well, hopefully Seattle's thinking that rejuvenated him. He can go have a fantastic tournament for Canada. And then um, we'll see. Maybe they bring him back and feel like, okay, now he's ready to contribute on, on a more uh, you know, on, a, on a more regular basis where potentially they decide to send him back down. That, that yeah. decision is going to come for uh, for Seattle. But they bought themselves, I guess, Another month to see what, what he's got, or a few weeks rather now at this point, to see what he's got, and, and then they can make their decision from there. But I'm excited. It seems like this team, there's a lot of real talented players, and it's a, a good squad. And if the, the term explosive 
really gets me excited because there's nothing more fun than watching an explosive team out there on the ice. Well, so. you're right. And Connor Bedard, man, he's as explosive as we've seen oh. in terms of being able to fire a puck in the direction of the unguarded corners of a net. And he's I, uh, I'm I, looking forward to watching him, man, because he's something special. I, I'll tell you, though, like he's not getting – he's starting to get the, the credit, I suppose, now. But like this Adam Fantilli kid is also quite the talent. Um, I mean, because he's not playing – in the OHL, he decided to go the college route, so I guess he's not getting as much play up here. But, I mean, this is a, a kid who's not probably not going to end up going number two in the draft. but he's a, Never know. A, or number one in the draft, sorry. But he's going to be a top three pick. I mean, as a freshman, he's got 26 points in 16 games at the University of Michigan. So yeah. he's... And, and, another, and another GTHL guy. I mean, we've w- yeah. watched him play many times. Uh, up in Downsview and the very, you know Chesswood and the, the rest of the rinks in the city and and he's 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 always been a guy that's just jumped off the page jumped off the ice at you just with with skills and and abilities that just very few kids have you can watch hockey all your life and only see a handful of these guys and he's one of them. Yeah, Craig's got him currently as the number two player on his draft rankings. Bobby Mack, uh, the number three player. That was from uh, at the preseason mark, I suppose. For Bob McKenzie, and, and look, it's, he's, he's got size 6'2", 187 at 18 years old. I, I yeah. like his chances of being a, a pretty sound and solid player um, for Team Canada at these at these games. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. It all gets started tonight, I guess, preseason action, pre-tournament action. You can watch it on TSN4. They're taking on Switzerland. All right, on the other side, we're going to bust out one of our favorite segments on the show. We like to do this every... Every now and then on a Monday after a bit of a busy week, a lot uh, happening within the, the hockey world, it's what's in the group chat. We'll be talking about some of the stuff that's been going on around the league and maybe some things that are being bandied about within group chats all around uh, all around the GTA and around the hockey world. So that is coming up next. I'm Mike DiStefano with, uh, <laughs> with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Whoa, 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 check this out. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? When it goes down. Are you texting? Oh, yeah. It goes down in the group chat. We have these big group texts. It's very late and my friend is a little unstable. We're talking action and overreaction. We sent 97 unanswered texts in a five-minute span. Leafs Lunch presents... My phone vibrated itself off the desk. What's in the group chat? This group is hotter than hot. Welcome into the Leafs Lunch. I'm Mike DiStefano. We got Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star with me, Julia Tasheri, off on the World Juniors beat. So we'll have uh, Dave with us today. And what's in the group chat? It's a fun little segment. I don't believe you've done this with us yet, have you? But I've listened to it and I love it, AB. I love it. Love it. Beautiful. So this is this is the way that this works for those who uh, who aren't aware, I guess, of how we kind of do this little bit and segment. So we've got a couple of got a couple of statements out here, and these are statements that are being fired into the group chat. And you, as the individual on the other end of the group chat, need to decide: Are you giving this a, a thumbs up? Are you just going to kind of flush the text, or is this just such a terrible take that you're going to tell that person to? 
delete your number and eliminate them from said group text. So those are the three options that you'll have. So we'll start with the first one here. Um, William Elander has been exceptional this season and currently leads the Toronto Maple Leafs in goals. Uh, and the text we have is Willie Styles will be the Leafs' top goal scorer this season. Man, I'm going to have to flush that in disgust. I mean, have you forgotten, <laughs> Al's brother? Have you forgotten about a little guy named Austin Matthews whose career high is 60 goals? and who got it just last year. I mean, I understand Mr. Matthews only has 16 goals right now, but the idea that there are 50, 5-0 games remaining in the regular season <laughs> suggests to me, I was, brother, there will be some regression from one Willie Styles and some aggression toward putting pucks in the net for Mr. Matthews. So, like, Matthews is going to lead this team in goal scoring, and you're crazy to believe anything otherwise. Yeah, I, I I would have to agree with that. Uh, I, although you know, eighteen goals so far for for Nylander, very, um, it's it's a great season that he's having. Honestly, and, sure, and I, I think he's going to hit forty this year. I really do. The the way that he's scoring, attacking the net, uh, the confidence that he's playing with right now, I think he could have a forty goal season. But I think Matthew's going to far surpass that. So I'm not flushing this. I'm telling the person to delete the number because that's just such health aside, obviously. That is an outlandish take. Like, yes, he's having a yeah. great season right now, but you look at his shooting percentage, it is 5% higher than his, his career average. His average yes. is about 12%. He's shooting at 17% so far this year. So like you said, expect a little bit of regression for him closer into maybe the 13 14% range, right. and that should see the goal scoring come down a little bit where we expect to see a meteoric rise for, uh, for us, Matthews, at some point here. Could yeah. I see them being relatively close? Sure. Like, is he going to shrink the gap from he was a season ago to Austin Matthews? Absolutely. Can he make it close? Can they be into maybe March and it's a race between those two? Absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, there's no doubt in my mind that Austin Matthews will be this team's leading goal scorer come April, early yeah. May of next year. Yeah, I'm with you on the percentages. Just tell you that. I mean, Matthews, yeah. to your point about shooting percentage, he's shooting at 11. percent His career average is 16. percent It's going to even out. He's the, some of the some of those pucks that yeah. are not going in are going to start going in. Yeah, and, and I mean, even on like the power play is not really clicking right now either. So you start adding, uh, you know, the, if that power play gets going, Morgan Riley gets back, and they start doing what they typically have been able to do the last couple of seasons. I mean, this was the number one power play a year ago. It's not that Matthews needs power play goals to pad his numbers, because he doesn't. He's been the best 5-on-5 five -five goal scorer since entering the NHL. But it, it helps. It, it certainly yeah. helps. And I think that'll kind of uh, allow him to get back to the numbers that we kind of expect from him. All right, the next one that is out here in the group chat We've discussed this a little bit. We can go into detail a little more here. Ryan O'Reilly is the best trade target for the Leafs if they can get St. Louis to eat some of his salary. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm giving this a thumbs up. If, if you know the thumbs up to this text, I, look, there's a lot of other candidates. If you're talking about adding forward depth uh, in this you know stretch run for the Maple Leafs. There's other guys you can look at. Obviously, you know, dream scenarios. The Canucks make Bo Horvat available. We had MJ on talking about another Canucks target that Kuzmenko. you know could be attractive is that Andre Kuzmenko, who obviously you know is going to be an unrestricted free agent. 
and has real potential to, to make an impact. I've heard Tyler Bertuzzi's name bandied about. You hear him hey, bring in Max Domi, the son of an ex-Leaf named Ty, who could who could make some impact. There's lots of different ways you can go about this. But, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, O'Reilly to me, checks a lot of boxes. Uh, and, and first and foremost, it's experience and Stanley Cup pedigree because he's got that. He's got a Consumite trophy. Uh, he's He will be 32. In February, his numbers are, you know, he's a minus 21 for the season, but that speaks more to the, you know, St. Louis's oh, struggle more than his and goaltending more than anything. Um, but to your point, yeah, you know, the salary, fitting it in under the cap in a year where you could also use some defensive depth, this is not going to be an easy ad by any measure. And, and I'm not under any illusions that this is something that you can just order up with a snap of a finger. Yeah, like I, I, that's just definitely something that's going to get a thumbs up for me as well. Like Ryan O'Reilly would be would be a great addition to this team, and and if what we are all kind of assuming through the reporting that's been done by our insiders is that it's likely that Jake Muzzin is not going to play the rest of the season. It does free up a little bit of cap space to make moves like this, whether it is a Ryan O'Reilly or it is a Bo Horvat. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys out there. Maybe if they get into the Patrick Kane sweepstakes potentially, mm-hmm. um, never know. if and when he becomes available. I, I Did I hear correctly that there was discussions this week with the Kane and Taze group about maybe what their – decisions are going to be I think those discussions forward. continue, right? Those discussions yeah. are ongoing. But um, absolutely, I think if, if they can get O'Reilly at retained, I, I think that is definitely something that the Maple Leafs should look into and something that Kyle Dubas should be hungry when he comes to, to making a deal. I, I don't think there's someone on the market that I believe would be a better fit, realistically, for, for well, what this team needs and, and wants. Like the, the thing is, this team, they've when they've gone out and they've made trades in the past, think back, you know, Nick Foligno, you think even, you know, Giordano, who has worked mm-hmm. out well. Um, they went out and they acquired or they signed Patrick Marlowe. They brought in Spezza. A lot of these veteran pieces that they brought in have been guys who they felt were hungry because they hadn't won a cup and they want to get right. there. Well, maybe try something different where you get a guy who's been there, done that, get some experience in the room, a a person who knows how to win a Stanley Cup gets it done. Maybe can rub that off and share that wisdom on uh, on the players. And, and Ryan O'Reilly could really bring just that. Yeah, so. sure. And I mean, and look, if you're in the other camp that says forget that, how about you just get me somebody that can play on the wing and score some goals? There's another St. Louis Blue that's a UFA at the end of the year under the exact same number at seven point five million dollars on the cap hit, and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. And if yeah. you know, I know, I'm just saying, if the St. Louis I, Blues are, are, are holding the fire sale, you know, maybe you got to knock on that door too. Here's the thing I have with Tarasenko because he's he's a right winger, plays the right yeah, side. I understand that. You would have to flip. You could flip Willie over, I suppose, and then maybe put him on that line there. Move Bunting down. It, 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 there'd be a lot more moving pieces by bringing in, I think, a right winger. But if you can bring someone in who is a 40-goal scorer or has scored 40 goals in his time, potentially they could do that. All right, really quickly, let's do this one, Dave. Uh, the Oilers could end up with a player who legitimately could reach 150 points in Connor McDavid um, and still miss the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give you the thumbs up emoji with the with the uh the crying emoji cuz this is a sad sad <laughs> a sad sad text chain posting by you on this one else brother, but it's true. It's sad, but it's true that Connor McDavid is currently on pace for 159 points 
and 70-plus goals, and yet his team stinks, for lack of a better term. I mean, they're just so bad defensively. Uh, they don't have any depth scoring to speak of, or not enough of it anyways, so that on nights when McDavid and Dreisaitl are not clicking and the power play isn't putting up points because they're very power play dependent, yeah. they're not a very good team, Al's brother, and guess what? They are on pace to not be a playoff team if things keep going the way they're going. I'll be clear. They're not my texts that I'm firing out in there. These are just generals, and this is one that I'm receiving. I'm flushing it, to be honest with you. I'm not as worried about the Oilers missing the playoffs here. I think they're still going to be in good shape. I mean, a lot of things have gone wrong. Like you said, they're a bottom-10 team defensively. The goaltending has been brutal to start the year. Stuart Skinner just got paid, by the way, today. Signed a three-year deal at 2.6, I believe, AAV. So now Mm -hmm. they've got both of their goalies signed long-term. So you got to hope that there'll be some sort of positive regression for their goaltending uh, going forward this year. Their defense or progression, maybe. Hopefully it'll be progression. Yeah, progression, rather. Um, and at the end of the day, they're going to get Evander Kane back. And when they get him back, that will add to that secondary scoring, that depth scoring. So I believe that uh, the Oilers, they're not in a great division, let's be honest. I think True. they'll be able to somehow get themselves into the playoffs. They're in a playoff spot right now. They're hanging on to one of those wild-card spots. I think they can keep it, and we'll see McDavid in, uh, in, in the playoffs. And, well, we all know what we witnessed last year. If Leon wasn't hurt, who knows what those guys could have could have done here all right let's uh let's wrap up here we got one more segment on the other side we had a trade earlier today the dennis mulgan era is over in toronto he was traded to the colorado avalanche for dryden hunt we'll tell you a little bit about dryden hunt on the other side i'm mike to stefano with dave feshuk you're listening to leafs lunch here on tsn 1050 this is leafs lunch on tsn 1050 the leafs live here Launches brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. I'm Mike DeSefano with Dave Feshuk and the Toronto Star. Julia Tasheri off on the World Junior Beat. She'll rejoin us in the new year. Uh, we were gifted with uh, a little present right off the top of the show. Um, the Maple Leafs made a trade. Out goes Dennis Mulgan. In comes Dryden Hunt, a depth forward from the Colorado Avalanche uh, quickly. Keith says Dryden Hunt will bring a, quote, different elements to the Leafs forward group, a guy who plays hard, pretty simple game, physical, competitive. So somebody who plays more of a prototypical fourth-line role, essentially, is is what the Maple Leafs brought in for, for Geno Morgan. Yeah. I mean, Dryden Hunt, a little bit bigger than Geno Morgan, six foot, 190, 200 pounds, and Dryden Hunt hits people. Like, he's leading the Colorado Avalanche in hits this season. What is it, 17 hits per 60, which would put him right up there with, yeah. you know, you know Wayne Simmons, you know, Kyle Clifford, if those guys were actually getting real minutes. Uh, a lot higher, a higher rate than anybody that's been a regular with the Maple Leafs this season, let's just say, in terms of his uh, his emphasis on on laying the body. So that that's a different element for sure, Al's brother. And uh, accordingly, according to uh, Jay Fresh, who's a, uh, a Twitter account I like to follow, does some analytical stuff, uh, 95 percent percentile in uh, even strength 
defense. So a guy who's going to defend and not do a whole lot. He only has two goals in 28 games, but he's a guy who's going to hit you, and he's going to play defense, and that's pretty much what you expect out of a fourth-line winger. Um, so we'll see when Dryden Hunt gets himself into the lineup, but he's here. Looks like Callie Yarncroft is going to get into the lineup tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a game which will be on TSM4. Canada-Switzerland World Junior Action preliminary action will be on TSM4 tonight as well. But that does it for us today, Dave. Fun show. Happy you could join me. I'm happy to be back. we got uh, a whole week until Christmas, too. So we'll be back tomorrow on the show. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.ca, the Radio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gameplay with Matt Coss next.